Welcome. You're listening to the Bible Marathon Project, your one-stop class for learning Bible interpretation, defending your faith, using spiritual gifts, and building consistency in your devotion with God. We hope these sessions are a blessing to you as they have been to us. And without further ado, we say welcome to Vulnerability Sunday. <laughs> okay, you're recording. Again, once again, good evening. Um, I hope we're all doing well. Um, as usual, we are going to start off with the review of our Bible reading last week, which if you did not read Hebrews 5 to 8, you are missing out. If you have not read it, please, after today's session, after this Sunday session, please endeavor to read it before we jump on to the next book or while we jump on to the next book. So to do the review for us, that will be Miriam. Miriam, how are you? Good evening. Hope you're doing well. Hi, Daniel. Good evening. Yes. Um, Are you ready? Yeah, I, I'm nervous, but yeah, I guess I'm ready. Okay, okay. Let's let's do this. Yeah, please go ahead. Okay. Um. So I, I don't know how I'm going to be brief about this because Hebrews five to eight is a lot, but um, I'll try. Thank you. Hi, everyone. Good evening. So we read the um, book of Hebrews chapter 5 to 8 last week, and it was amazing. So I'm just going to go ahead and just focus on brief summaries because of the time constraints. So um, chapter 5 uh, basically talked about how high priests offered sacrifices on behalf of um, other people and themselves. And then... Um, also talks about how, you know, priests are called by God. You know, priests do not call themselves. Someone has to call them into priesthood and then they can. Uh, I'm sorry about my Slack message. And then someone, and then they receive um, the call. And then he talks about how Christ was called and made a priest forever in the order of um, Melchizedek. And then how Christ learned perfect obedience through his suffering. And became the and became the author and the finisher of our faith of our salvation, you know, by learning perfect obedience and you know basically dying for us on the cross. And then um, there was an admonishment at the end of chapter five that talked about the necessity of spiritual growth because it seemed that the people that the writer of Hebrews was speaking to were beginning to grow cold. And he had to go over what they went through as basics. And so he told them that they needed to, you know, start thinking like grown men, like grown Christians, so that they would be able to teach other people the truths that they had learned. And then um, in chapter six, the priesthood of Christ was, you know, further discussed. You know, there was more admonition on the conduct they should show forth as believers. And then it was not just hey, you guys are not green, you guys are not green. He also, you know, commended them for the lives they lived and how they took care of other believers around them. And he told them to keep doing that. And then he gave them an advice on how to remain spiritually alert, you know, by following the examples of those who had gone before them. But um, I think the most important part of chapter six for me was, you know, when he um, talks about how God took an oath and then made a promise that he cannot break. And this is the hope we have because God does not change and then God does not lie. 
and God, you know, took an oath with himself because there's no one greater than him. And this is the hope and the confidence that we have that, you know, because God took an oath, he's not going to break it, he's not going to change. And it is the hope and anchor for our souls. And then it leads us into the inner sanctuary where Jesus has gone before us and is our high priest. So now we have that confidence that once we believe, there's nothing that can take us away or take that you know, gift of salvation away from us. And then um, chapter seven, you know, further exposed us to the person of Melchizedek, where we first um, read or hear about Melchizedek, you know, when Abraham had to give him one-tenth of his tithe and how, you know, the writer shows us that for, for you to bless someone, then you have to be greater than the person. And for someone to pay tithe to you, it means you're greater than that person. And then there was a comparison between, you know, the priesthood of Melchizedek and then the Levitical priesthood and which was greater. So uh, basically, you know, the writer said, you know, if Levi is an ancestor, is a descendant of Abraham and Abraham, you know, give it tithe to Melchizedek, then Melchizedek is even greater than you know the Levitical um, priest, and then you know he spoke about how um, the Levitical priesthood is based on the law, and it was very it was faulty. And he talked about how Jesus is from the tribe of Judah, that and so Jesus is not a priest, you know in the order of Levi or something, you know, he's a priest in the order of um, Melchizedek. And since, you know, he's from the tribe of Judah and, you know, Moses never said, you know, priests were going to come from the tribe of Judah. It just shows that a different priesthood, Jesus had to be from a different priesthood that was, that was higher and better because of what, you know, he was coming to do for us. And he talks about how you know, Melchizedek lives on and Jesus Christ is forever, right? But Levitical priests die because they're normal people like you and I. And, uh, okay, yeah. And if the Levitical line could attain perfection, then a different priesthood didn't need to be established, but they couldn't because they were human beings like us. You know, they had to offer um, sacrifices for themselves first before it was offering sacrifices for other people. And then um, how Jesus Christ became a priest by the power of life that cannot be destroyed, not by um, physical stuff. And then the old requirements were set aside because it was weak and useless. Hey God, don't worry, chapter eight soon. You know, the old requirements were set aside because it was weak and useless. So a new covenant had to come in place. And then um, God took an oath regarding Jesus but he took none for you know the Levitical priesthood and then Jesus Christ guarantees the new covenant he is in the office forever he saves once and forever and those who come through him of course and then he lives with God and then he intercedes on behalf of you and I he's holy he's without sin he's perfect and he is a priest forever and then you know those other priests offered sacrifices for themselves for for people but Jesus Christ became the sacrifice for us and that's pretty mind-blowing. And chapter eight sums it all up, you know, as to why we had to discuss the different kinds of priesthood and how Jesus and why Jesus Christ is our priest. And it says that we have a priest who sits at the right in at the place of honor, the right, right hand of God in heaven. And because on because on earth, 
you know, priests had to offer gifts and sacrifices. Jesus Christ had to offer a sacrifice himself. And he became that sacrifice. He was a sacrifice for us. And, you know, everything that happened before Jesus was a copy, a shadow of what was to come. So Jesus Christ is that reality that was mirrored all the way down until he came, you know, died, was buried and resurrected on the third day. And Jesus Christ mediates a better covenant for us. And the new, the new covenant makes the old one obsolete. I think um, Amplified Bible paints in such a very beautiful way that just makes, makes a lot of sense, you know. So the old covenant is done away with. And the, the fault of the old covenant is that it only showed what was to come. It wasn't what God's grand plan was. So when Jesus came, you know, if you remember back um, Hebrews chapter one, verse one, that says that, you know, God spoke through diverse means and, you know, different people. But now he has come himself in the perfect image of himself. I think I'm just paraphrasing. That's not what it says directly. So, yeah, to sum it all up. You know, Jesus Christ is a high priest that is compassionate, that mediates for us. And he came to ensure that everything was perfect and good according to what God has planned. And um, the promise of the Spirit in Hebrews chapter 8 is fulfilled right now. It's no longer a prophecy. We are living in it because, you know, the Spirit now lives in us and he's with us. Thank you very much, Daniel. I hope I didn't take some of time. Thank you, Miriam. Thank you so much for that. I actually enjoyed that. Thank you so much. Yeah. So yeah, Hebrews um, 5 to 8 was a very, very interesting read. And like I said, those of you who haven't read it, please endeavor to. It was a very interesting read. The, um, drawing the dynamics between Christ, um, the priesthood of Christ and the priesthood of the Levites, you understand, those kind of things the oath God took, you know, to it made it, it made it seem much more serious much more established, understand, established the priesthood of Christ, and it just kind of overall made us understand the significance of it, apart from the fact that we just know that Jesus Christ died for our sins, you know, it was like, oh yeah, this is the structural, it's like explaining how a company works, basically, so thank you for that awesome, awesome review, Miriam. Okay, so guys, 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 hey, hey, hallelujah, so today, uh, <laughs> today's topic is dealing with grief and i'm very sure that some of us are already wondering that who 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 is it who is the one that's going to be feeding us with wisdom tonight and well hello people you are looking at your teacher for today already you know uh, okay yes sorry Okay, so yes, I will be the one um, teaching tonight. <laughs> I am so nervous already for some reason, even though I prepared for this. But yes, I'll be the one teaching tonight. And the topic tonight is um, dealing with grief, dealing with grief. And this is such a very, very, uh, how should I put it? I would say very, very touchy topic for me because it kind of deals close to home in a way. Uh, due to some things that have been happening and you know and i'm very sure there are, there are a couple of us also that <laughs> that are experiencing some sort of grief one way or the other and i'm very sure that tonight will be so very very helpful to each and every single one of us so also 
Um, tonight, since NS is not going to be around, and I don't have a second screen, there's going to be most likely no projection of the verses that we are going to be studying tonight. So everybody, you are going to have to be working tonight. Haha, <laughs> you're going to be opening your Bible along with me. Making jokes because I'm never sorry, and my jokes are terrible. I know, I know. Don't don't roast me. So, but before we go on again, let's just bow our heads in prayer one more time. So, Father, we thank you for the topic that we're about to dive into tonight. Father, we thank you for this time of studying. And we thank you for the word that is going to come to us because we know tonight we are going to be receiving healing, Father, healing in our hearts. Grieving hearts, Father, tonight are going to be receiving comfort, O oh Lord. Pains, O oh Lord, Father, deep in our souls are going to be healed tonight. Our scars, O oh Lord, Father, are going to be mended, O oh Lord. And we are going to be reminded so much of your love, so much of the dedication that you have towards us and, and, and the nearness that you have to our hearts, O oh Lord, Father. Thank you, Father, for in Jesus' name we are prayed. Amen. Okay, amen. Hallelujah. I've split this up into now grieving and the thought the reason why I split this up into three this guy a lecturer and it's just like this in the box. <laughs> so yeah. Uh, we are going to go through definition. We are going to be defining grief and saying some things about grief. So let's understand it. Uh, we are going to be Looking at definitions, I love starting with definitions because definitions are a great way to um, some psychological de definition. Grief can be described as the intense emo emotional and physical reaction that an individual experiences following the death of a loved one, usually characterized by deep or intense sadness. And you know, we usually call that time a time of crisis, which is a time of intense difficulty or danger. You know, that's basically what it is. A time of intense difficulty or danger. A time of grief is, is very, very intense. And those of you who have had some grief in your life, you know how intense this thing is. So, um, co-host, so please help me out very much. Um, Yes, grief is very, very natural. Like the emotion of love, the emotion of hate, the emotion of anger, the emotion of um, um, disgust, the emotion of care, kindness, all those kind of things. Grief is also a very, very natural emotion. God gave it to us. We are meant to experience grief. Second thing to note is grief is not a sin. I will repeat that grief is not a sin. And we can take a cue from Jesus Christ um, when he heard the news about his friend Lazarus and he heard he was dead. Um, John 35 says one thing, Jesus wept. Now, it didn't say Jesus shed it here. It didn't say Jesus, oh, Jesus, you know, Jesus, how will my friend, you know, die? She gets, no, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus wept like, Yoruba will say, oh, sukun. Like, <laughs> I don't know how to put it. Like, it was, it was, a, an expression of intense pain, you know, intense hurt at the situation. Jesus wept. 
And the reason why this particular place is very, very important for us to start from here, looking at the example of Jesus Christ, is because Jesus is our high priest. Um, can we all open our Bibles to Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15? Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15. And I'll read, it says, For we do not have the high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who has been tested in every way as we are, yet without sin. Uh, that is very, very important because this is somebody who we say intercedes on our behalf. This is somebody who uh, we say is going to be representing us, is going to, you know, doing different things with, for us to God. And it's very, very important that he knows how we feel. He knows how things are on our side. You understand? So yes, that is why it is very, very important to know that Jesus Christ, like we, did, like we do, also wept. Next one is grief isn't foreign to believers. And we're reading 1 Thessalonians 4.13, which says, we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, concerning those who are asleep, so that you will not grieve like the rest who have no hope. See that this is Paul writing to the church in Thessalonica. And he's, he uses the word grieve. You understand? They were grieving because they lost a couple of brothers, they lost a couple of members of the church and it was a painful time for them and they were grieving, you understand? But, so it's not a foreign thing to believe to believers. And the last thing to note is grief is not a sin, a sign of unbelief. Grief is not a sign of unbelief. It says the sobs of grief and pain are not the sign of unbelief. Job knows nothing of a flippant insensitive, superficial, praise God anyhow response to suffering. The magnificence of his worship is because it was grief, not because it replaced grief. Let your tears flow freely when your calamity comes and let the rest of us weep with those who weep. And this is very, very, I think this is very, very key. And we're reading Romans 12, 15, the Amplified Version, which says, rejoice with those who rejoice, sharing others' joy and weep with those who weep, sharing others' grief. This is very, very, and I have to say very, very significant because uh, we, I think, Pescosas, and generally, in fact, in the church in Nigeria, you know, um, you hear things like, you know, don't cry, you understand, just trust God. Um, everything works for those who have it or we just quote verses true. I call it throwing Jesus at the problem. You know, no, I call it throwing Jesus incorrectly at the problem. You know, we just, people are grieving, you know, pain and then just tell somebody God has a plan and everything. And usually it comes from a place of not knowing what to say, which <laughs> if you've ever seen somebody who is grieving, you usually do not know what to say. But also it's, it's almost like sometimes we are dismissing the grieving of people. We are dismissing people um, experiencing the pain that they are, are experiencing currently through the, maybe they've lost somebody, maybe they've lost a job that meant something to them. You know, we grieve for so, so many reasons. And it's just sometimes it's very, very, should I say painful to see how the church um, church can just dismiss your grief and just be like, you know, just have to just move on. You understand? Because, you know, God has a plan. Just move on and not acknowledge that that is an intense time of sadness that they most likely need to go through and they need a lot of comfort in during that time. But there's also something I want to point out 
um, and it comes from the quote that John Piper, you know, quote of John Piper that I'm sharing. It says, Job knows nothing of a flippant, insensitive, superficial praise God anyhow response to suffering. And that place is very, very significant because nowadays, you know, especially with psychological notes and psychologists being online and everywhere and everybody knowing everything there is to know about mental health these days, there's this thing that goes around that says there is no particular way to grieve you understand, you know, just people grieve in different ways. There's no correct way to do it. You know, there's no correct way to go through the motions and everything. Um, hmm. See, so yeah. while I understand what people mean and that they are just trying to be kind and comforting and tolerant of, you know, the intense sadness the person is going through at that point, it's also a thing of, <laughs> there, <laughs> I don't want to be insensitive in saying this, but there is there are, there are correct things to do while we are grieving, especially if you are a believer. And we are going to be looking at that tonight. There are correct things, correct certain things that you should be doing while you're, while you're in your grieving period and everything you understand. And you know what, let's just go straight into it. Um, that's the second part. I hope everybody is following me so far. I can I can't really see anybody's face right now, so it's kind of leaving me in a vulnerable place. You people are now turning on your uh, what's it called your your cameras tonight. Haha, <laughs> my face is the only one I'm seeing. Come on, if you're following, please just use the thumb up speaker or um. Did I just say speaker sticker or whatever you know thumb up sticker or any emojis just to let me know that you are following as we're going okay thank you miriam you know so um so let's continue part two in our grieving believers guide and the first part of this is guard your heart i know right you know somebody was probably thinking i'll probably say <laughs> ademola abraham said network grief <laughs> sorry those of you that are experiencing network problems i'm so sorry about that um i, I speak to your networks right now that our network stops grieving and allows you to enjoy tonight's session so okay so guard your heart um we and not immune to responding sinfully to our pain, which is one of the reasons why I was saying I mean, we end up doing more damage than, you know, doing than any healing, actually. First thing to do when you are grieving, in your grieving period is that your heart, first of remind yourself of the promise you have in Christ. This is very, very important. Remind yourself of the promise you have in Christ. And so I'd like to take us to 1 Thessalonians 4, 13 to 14. And that says, now we do not want you to be uninformed believers about those who are asleep in death, so that you will not grieve for them as the others who have no hope beyond this present life. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, as in fact he did, even so God in this same way, by raising them from the dead, will bring him with those believers who have fallen asleep in Jesus Christ. 
And this is very, very important. This is very, very important. I hope you're following, guys. Remind yourself of the hope that you have in Christ. The hope you have in Christ is not a hope of now. The hope you have in Christ is a hope of eternity. You understand? So if you lose a loved one, somebody, especially somebody who is in Christ, who was a believer when they were on this earth, you know, while you are feeling the loss, also know that you shall see them again. You understand? So remind yourself of the promise you have in Christ. Second thing to do, to do to know is how you feel isn't a correct measurement of reality, truth, and God. And this is, is a, this is basically what I'm saying. Nowadays, you know, there's this doctrine in the world of um, trust your body, trust what your body is telling you, uh, you know, how you feel is what is important and different things like that. And true, you should acknowledge your feelings, but the truth is we should also know that our feelings are not necessarily reliable ways to look at reality. Our feelings are very, very subjective to almost anything sincerely. So know that because your heart is in pain, you know, you might see the world differently from how you would normally see it when you are not in pain. And so do not use your emotions as a way to judge what your life is currently about and how your life is going. Do not use it to judge the truth because during a time of grieving, you know, and this is a lot of people who don't believe in God anymore um, have this thing where they went through a time of pain, a time of grieving, a time, a time of loss, right? And because of that, because they had answers that they didn't really, I mean, they had questions that they didn't really have answers to, you know, they went off with their feelings, they dwelt in that pain so much, and they used that to judge the nature of God, they used that to judge the, real, the truth of their reality, and kind of led them in a direction that they, I would say they shouldn't go into. So your feelings are not a correct way to measure your reality, your current reality. Third thing is recognize how vulnerable you are in your time of grief. The devil is still out there. And in your time of grief, you are most vulnerable. You are most vulnerable. You are most susceptible to thoughts. You are most susceptible to opinions. You are most susceptible to desires because during a time of grief is pain. And you and most of the time, many of us will do anything possible to just take away the pain, to just have the pain, just, you know, just disappear. We don't want the pain anymore. So when you are in that place of pain, direct your sorrow towards God. Direct your sorrow towards God. I'd like to take us and see a woman in the Bible that most of us will probably know, and that is Hannah. And we know the story of Hannah. Hannah, you know, um, didn't have a child, she had miscarriages and different things like that. And in 1 Samuel 1 verse 10, Hannah was praying, she was deeply hot, and she and, and she prayed to the Lord. She was weeping, she was in tears, she prayed to the Lord. And, you know, sometimes it can feel somehow, somehow, hey, what is this thing doing, doing to me right now? Okay, yes, please, standard, present, okay. So, and in our time of grief and all those kind of things there, eh, we can feel somehow, somehow like, oh God, you know, if people see me crying and weeping and praying right now, it's embarrassing to see, right? And so in First Samuel 1, 15 to 16, you know, the prophet and was like, Madam, Madam, how far, how far? And she said, no, my Lord, I am a woman with a broken heart. I haven't had any wine or beer. You know, that what she was saying. She's not tipsy. She's not crazy. I've been pouring out my heart before the Lord, 
Don't think of me as a wicked woman. I've been praying from the depth of my anguish and resentment. Now, remember that quote from Pastor John Piper about how, you know, uh, we, how should I put it? You know, we should pray to God. We should allow our tears flow, you know, all those kind of things. Look at Hannah's example. She said, I've been praying from the depth of my anguish and resentment. That is very, very significant. Even while she had a little bit of resentment, she directed everything towards God. She directed everything towards God in prayer. She was praying for healing. She was praying for a child. She was praying, you know, in, in her grief, she didn't go, you know, to go and sleep and lie down and watch 10,000 psychiatrists talk about depression. She went to go and focus on God. And that is very, very significant because a time of grief is a time of vulnerability. Now, the next thing is get rooted, get rooted, get to studying the word of God during that time. Remind yourself of the things God says about you. Bible says in Proverbs 23, 26, oh, my son, give me your heart. Make your eyes take delight in following my ways. That word there, delight, is what I want to, because the word of God is nourishing to the soul, is nourishing to the mind, is nourishing to our way of life. And if that doesn't change when our heart is in pain. When our heart is in pain, the word of God is also still our medicine. The word of God is our medicine. We should dwell upon it. We should remind ourselves of what the word of God says about us. We should remind ourselves of the goodness of God. You understand? We should not depart from the word. We should not depart from the teachings of Christ. We should rather in that moment, in that time of our grief, go back to the word of God and seek assurance, seek safety, and seek healing. Next up is remind yourself of God's goodness. This is why I said we might not be able to have scriptures displayed because it keeps taking me out of presentation. So please just open your Bible to First Chronicles. First Chronicles 16:34. The book of First Chronicles 16:34. So if you are there, okay. so uh, this is in the Old Testament. I'm very sure some of us, this is the first time we are going to be reading Chronicles in the year 2021, or let me not be conceited, in the month of May. And you know, you should be thanking God for that. That I brought the book of First Chronicles to you today, this evening. Okay, so First Chronicles 16, verse 34. And I'll read, it says, give thanks to the Lord for he is good. Give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His faithful love endures forever. His faithful love endures forever. Let's move to the New Testament, the epistles, because somebody might be like, oh, that's Old Testament. I don't know a bit of disdain for the Old Testament because we know they read that. We don't read that thing, you understand? Until pastor says, open your book to Jeremiah chapter 10, verse 1. And it says, you know, most of us just focus on the epistles alone, which is not necessarily bad, but the Old Testament is also there for our edification. But that's not what tonight is about. James chapter 1, verse 17 says, every generous act and every perfect gift is from above. Coming down from the Father of lights, with him there is no variation or shadow cast by turning. In other words, God know the change. 
God doesn't change. His goodness remains forever, despite our situation. Hallelujah. Despite what we are currently going through, God's goodness does not change. And we need to remind ourselves of that. You understand? Direct your sorrows towards God. Get with it. Study the word. Remind yourself of God's goodness because God's goodness is everlasting. Remember, he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. God's goodness is everlasting. And while you are reminding yourself of God's goodness, drive yourself into prayer. Drive yourself into prayer. Let's open our Bibles to the book of Psalms. We are going to be opening scriptures a lot today because this is such a sensitive topic and I don't want to turn this into kind of like a discussion with circular knowledge, you know, talking about just feelings. I want us to look at the word of God because the word of God is, our, is the best medicine for us as believers, especially during times of intense pain. So Psalm chapter 62, verse 8, Psalm 62, and it says, trust in him at all times, you people, pour out your hearts before him. God is our refuge. I'll read that again. It says, trust in him at all times, you people. Pour out your hearts before him. God is our refuge. And that, does, that still doesn't change in your time of grief. God is your refuge. God is your refuge. There's, there's this thing about when we're experiencing grief, there's this thing about when we're experiencing guilt also, that our first reaction is to move away from God. Um, and this is something I've experienced recently um, because, wow, okay. <laughs> I'm about to share something very, very personal. So, um, you know, I, uh, in a way, I can say that a lot of grief has been going on in my life for a while now, you know, for various reasons in various aspects. And it's been very, very weighty. It's been very, very weighty. It's been very, very painful. I've never dealt with something like this before. There was a day, I think, I, I think it was a month ago or two months ago, like I just woke up and there was this intense pain in my chest. There was this intense feeling of pain and everything. And I just, I just wanted to cry. I was angry, but even in my anger, I didn't even understand why. I, I knew it was probably as a reaction to things that have been bottling down and everything, you know, just trying to push through everything. But like, I, I just made a VN, I was crying. I was like, I don't understand it. And I sent it to NS, you know, and NS just told me to cry and everything, which helped me out a lot because I was looking for somebody to, in a way, even as I sent that, I was kind of looking for somebody to tell me, come on, you know, come on, don't you trust God, just, you know, just, keep pushing on, keep pushing on. But the moment and I said, you know what, just cry, pray, you know, like it just came out. I was in my office at work, thank God that I didn't have any classes to teach at that time because I'm a school teacher. Um, thank God I didn't have any classes to teach at that time. And it just, I just looked myself in my office and I just cried. I think I was there for like two, three hours, just crying. And then while I was crying, I started speaking in tongues, you know, because I wanted to, I wanted to pray. In fact, my mind, in fact, actually, I didn't want to pray, but I wanted to, but I pushed myself to pray rather. I didn't want to pray. I didn't have that desire at all, but I pushed myself to pray. 
but the words were not coming out. It was just, I can't, I don't, like, I couldn't complete sentences. So I just started speaking in tongues. And even that was difficult, but I threw myself into prayer. And NS was a big help for that, NS and a couple of other people, which is why I added, do not despise the gathering of believers. Do not despise the gathering of believers because there is, in your time of there is something that the church is supposed to do. What is that thing? Let us open our Bible to the book of Galatians chapter 6. The book of Galatians chapter 6, verse 2. Galatians chapter 6, verse 2. And it says, carry one another's burdens. In this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ. I'll read that again. Carry one another's burdens. In this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ. Let me read it from the NIV. The NIV says, carry each other's burdens. And in this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ. It's basically the exact same thing. You know, when in a time of grief, when we have people in the church who are grieving, who are going through immense pain, who are going through times of vulnerability and weakness, each person. You know, the Bible says, those of you who are strong in faith, help out those who are weak. And seriously, many times, in a time of grieving is a time of when we usually are at our weakest, both in our devotion, in our faith, you know, in our, in our mindfulness, in our accountability, those are times that we are usually very, very weak and vulnerable, susceptible to so many kinds of attacks and deceits. And the fellowship, the brotherhood of Christianity, the fellowship of the saints is one of the coping mechanisms that Christ has laid down for us. Remember, he says, for every single person who follows him and loses a father, loses a mother, he shall gain fathers, he shall gain mothers, he shall gain a family like never before, an eternal family. Hallelujah. Let's move on. The second thing to know about when you are grieving, uh, yeah, about when you are grieving is this. You should... Eat the bitter fruit of sorrow. Now, this one, <laughs> this one took me a bit. It took me back a bit because when I saw this, when I was doing my research, you know, I learned this particular one from Pastor John Piper. When he said it, I was like, hey, hey. I was like, no, <laughs> sir, sorry, that's not what you're supposed to be saying. But, you know, he says, eat the bitter fruit of sorrow. And what does this mean? Number one, our time of grief is also a time of strengthening. Our time of grief is also a time of strength. It's also a time of building up. It's a time where we are broken down and we are slowly rebuilt. Let's open our Bibles to Psalm 119. Psalm 119, verse 71. I hope you are opening your Bibles with me. And thank you to the person that is posting the um, scriptures in the comments. I think that's Adana. Yeah, Adana, thank you so very much. You're a great help. You are such a great help. So, yes, Psalm 119, verse 71. I think I said 17 the other time. Ah, Jesus. Verse 71, and I'll read. It says, it was good for me to be afflicted so that I might learn your decrees. This was David saying, it was good for me to, to be afflicted so that I might learn your degrees. I think I preferred the way... Um, the New King James Version puts it, the New King James Version says, uh, sorry, 
Yeah, it is good for me that I have been afflicted that I may learn your statutes. And when I when I read this verse, it, it, like I said, it threw me off a little bit because I was like, <laughs> oh, are you telling me grief is a good thing? You know, but when I looked further into it, I realized when he was afflicted, although they were afflicted um, due to falling into sin, he was humbled. Um, different versions would say he was humbled. Uh, but in, in that moment, he didn't do the human thing, which was to hide. He, he didn't do the Western thing. Because currently in our Western world, we have this ideology about approaching negative emotions. We hide away from them. You know, we do our best to put on a strong face and all that. But so far, what I've been seeing, or what we've been seeing is weep. Cry out to God. Your time of grieving, you understand? Like, take joy in it and go towards God. Learn the word of God. You know, it basically was like his relationship with God grew stronger in that moment, which is, is somehow because I don't know about you, but moments where I had intense pain in my heart and stuff like this, I didn't want to go to church. I did not want to even, I didn't even really feel like praying, you understand? And yet here we have somebody who is saying, I thank God for when I was afflicted because he helped me learn more about God, about the nature of God, about the things of God, about who I am in God. And he helped me grow stronger in my devotion to God. And that is such a strong thing. Second thing is the affliction is temporary, even though it feels a while, even though it feels like as if it is lasting a while. And to that effect, let us open our Bibles to the book of Second Corinthians, you know, have brought us back to the New Testament, New Testament people, hi, hi. <laughs> okay, let us open our Bibles to Second Corinthians 4.17. And that says, for our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. And this kind of makes me remember the part of the Bible that, you know, I was listening to our R.C. Sproul, such a great teacher, was speaking on the holiness of God, but also on the goodness of God, talking about what is good and everything. And he said something about going through times of sorrow, going through times of grief and everything. And said, if we truly believe that all things work for the good of those who love God, then that means even our time of grief, it was good that it happened. And while it might not seem so now, to God is wiser than any one of us, which is why I added the third point. No, you might not get answers because you will have answers. Trust me, you will have answers. I remember... Um, Last month, a student of mine lost his mom, and everybody knows how close this guy is to his mom. It was like they could not be separated. And I remember a time I was talking to him, and I asked him, what do you think is the worst thing that can happen ever in your life? And he said his mom dying. And would you know his mom died last month? And I did not know what to say. I had no words. I had no words of comfort, like I was blank at that moment. He had questions, I had no answer. There was, there was a time I lost a, a very good friend of mine, so I was in school, it was during exam, 
it was a painful time. I had questions. I didn't even have a pastor that was close to like one meet back then. I wasn't really a strong Christian by that time. If I wasn't even a Christian, now that I think about it, I didn't really accept Jesus Christ by that time. So, but I had questions. How could God do this? You know, different things like that. But like I said previously, know that how you feel is not a correct way to measure or, you know, um, judge reality or the truth or the knowledge of God that you have in you. Know that those things hold firm, hold true. I know that you might have you might have questions, but and you might not get your answers. But trust God's wisdom more. Trust God's wisdom more. First one is do not despise your grief. Let's open our Bibles to James chapter one, verse two to four. I hope we are following. Because I'm sharing my screen and the ratings, I can't really see most people's face, you know, but the Lord is good all the time. Yeah. Okay. So um, let us open our Bible to James chapter 1, verse 2 to 4. I hope you're opening your Bibles. I hope you're opening your Bibles. Should I do giveaway for who is, I might not be serious, who knows? Okay, so let's move on. Um, James chapter one, verse two to four. And he says, <coughs> sorry, and he says, my brethren, count it all joy when you fall into trials. Ha, Apostle James has killed me. Apostle James has killed me. Oh, look at Miriam's face. <laughs> Apostle James, as in, is you know, is one thing for Apostle Paul to say, um, in his time of um, persecution, you know, he joys and everything in his time of weakness and everything. We know Apostle Paul is not really that okay. You understand? Apostle Paul was not, was, he's not our mates. His mentality is just different. We know he's not like normal men. Do you get? Okay. But this is supposed to James. He's a cool cow guy. And he says, my brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. And he continues saying, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. But let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. Wow, hallelujah. Oh, glory to God. Remember what I said previously, that if we believe that things work out for the good of those who love God, then it most likely means that even our grief in the end will turn, we'll see that it was good that it happened. And this is supposed to James also saying, don't despise your time of grief. Count it joy. Know that God is working in you. Know that during this time, God will work out something in you. Hallelujah. I don't, I don't know if I'm, I don't know if I'm seeing this or what. There is a patience I have now. Um, don't get me wrong. I'm not over so many pains that are currently in my life. You know, I'm not over some. There are times where, you know, like I feel overwhelmed and there's just tears that is welling up, and I just find somewhere private. I cry my heart out. I play songs that remind me of the goodness of God. I speak in tongues. You know, there are those moments. But I've realized nowadays, even in times of confusion, there is a sort of calm that I have. You know, like, oh yeah this shall pass, something like that, you know, like I have this patience looking up to God, you know, dwelling on the word of God, knowing that God is going to come through 
you know. So like, I have that patience, I have that confidence and keep digesting the word of God because it is medicine. I cannot stress this enough. The word of God is medicine during these times. The word of God is so much medicine during these times because, you know, um, when things started happening, I kind of avoided all things. I think BMG was the only Christian platform, Christian gathering that I wasn't avoiding because I was doing something here, you understand? I had a job to do. And there was one thing that I promised myself when things started, when things went to shit, let me put it that way. It was that I will not let go of the responsibilities I have to people, you know, and I have to platforms. And, you know, I was like, I love what I do for BMG. I love contributing to NS ministry. So I was like, I'm not going to abandon this. And seriously, that helped me a lot. That me a lot. I avoided church. I avoided pastor online. I avoided my Christian brothers and sisters. <laughs> All my, <laughs> I changed my YouTube um, accounts so that I'll not be seeing all the Christian Christian contents that usually that usually pop up on my feed. You understand? I avoided my Twitter because there are so much holy people on top of my Twitter timeline. You know, I avoided so much, but because I pushed myself to continue my dedication to BMG, there was a gathering of believers that kept on feeding me the word of God, kept on reminding me of who God is, kept on reminding me of the love of God. You know, I had Christian friends who were praying and NS, sometimes NS would just dish out the word and I'm sitting here in my room just going, hmm, hallelujah, oh God, hey, amen, you know, <laughs> the Lord is good. You know, and that reminded me that God is seeing me in this time of my grief, of my pain, and I'm not going through this alone. It brings us to the third segment of um, when we are going through our grief, that things to do in our grief. Glorify God in unshakable grief. Glorify God in unshakable grief. And I was worried that this would not make sense. Let me not lie. When I was putting this in my note, I was worried that this, would not make a lick of sense because it, at first I was like, are you giving thanks to God for the grief or what? But then I realized that is not it. Glorifying God in unshakable grief is to focus on God despite the grief. Remember Pastor John Piper talk, talking about Job, um, I read earlier, that we saw earlier, talking about Job. He said Job didn't praise God because the praise replaced the grief. He praised God because he was grieving. You know, he worshiped God in his grief. And that is strong. That is, I think that is a thing to learn, a thing to, a thing to take notes. Because in your grief, God is not far away. He is always near. God is not far away, never far. He is always near. And let's open our Bible to the book of Psalm 34. Let's open our Bibles and find it difficult to find Psalms. Hallelujah. The, the, the enemy is a liar. Somebody stamp your feet on the ground and say, the enemy is a liar. You know. The devil is a liar. Yes. Hallelujah. Okay. So I found Psalms. <laughs> Psalm 34 verse 18 says, the Lord is near to those who have a broken heart. Hey, glory to God. I sound like a preacher. Ha! <laughs> the Lord is near to those who have a broken heart and saves such 
as have a contrite heart spirit. You know what? NKJV is breaking my teeth. Let me switch to a much more refined and simpler word. Okay, HCSB says, the Lord is near the brokenhearted. He saves those crushed in spirit. <laughs> Glory to God. That is deep. That is deep. It says God is near, always near, never far away. Kind of reminds me of a song by Joe Deep, you know, um, and that song is that song is such an awesome song. Um, um, how does it go? Um, you're never far. Something along those lines. I can't remember the lyrics for some reason, but it talks about God being near, God being close, and never being far away. Even when you think He's never near, God is close to you. He's right there with you in your time of grief. Let's open our Bibles to Isaiah chapter forty-nine. Many men, blessings and glory. Is that how that song goes? Okay. Isaiah chapter 49, verse 15 to 16 says, Can a woman forget her nursing child or lack compassion for the child of her womb? Even if these forget, yet I will not forget you. Look, I have inscribed you on the palms of my hands. I have inscribed you on the palms of my hands. Your walls are continually before me. Before me. Hallelujah. Psalms, David literally just told us, <laughs> God is near you. <laughs> he is there to heal the brokenhearted. He's there to heal those who are crushed in his spirit. What is Apostle Isaiah telling us? God is telling us through Isaiah, I will remember you. I know they forget. The same way a nursing mother will not forget to have compassion on her child. The same way a nursing mother will not forget to care for her child. God is not forgetting you. Just because you have so much pain in your heart and I understand the pain is immense. Sincerely, like, I, <laughs> I really, I, <laughs> the pain is immense. You feel such immense pain. There, there are times where, you know, like I'm moving about and I just feel like it says, I hold my chest. I'm like, oh God, what is this? You understand? But I remember some things that I know to be true. And I know God does not forget. And he's never far. And I know healing will come. Let's open our Bibles to Psalm 147 verse 3. And a lot of us should know this particular one. A lot of us should know it. You know, you might not know it is Psalm 147, but we know it. Psalm 147 verse 3 says, are we there? He says, he heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. He heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. Hallelujah. Same like what Isaiah said. Same like what you know, David said in Psalm 34. God brings healing. He's never far. He cares for you. He truly does care for you. And so we should wait on God. Open your Bibles to Psalm 40, verse 1 to 3. Psalm 40, verse 1 to 3. Oh, I think this is the one. Psalm 40, verse 1 to 3, everybody. Are we there? Says David says, I waited patiently for the Lord, and he turned to me and heard my cry for help. He brought me up from a desolate pit, out of the muddy clay, and set my foot on a rock, making my steps secure. He put a new song in my mouth, a hymn of praise to our God. Many will see and fear and put their trust in the Lord. 
David says he was in a desolate pit. Now, he doesn't tell us how long he was in that pit, but he says something. He says he patiently waited for the Lord. He patiently waited on God. Hallelujah. We need to patiently wait on God. I don't, like, I'm currently waiting. I am waiting, you know. Uh, people, <laughs> people around me just, you know, sometimes somebody will look at me and just be like, oh, more Daniel, you did shine. Oh, where is money day now? Daniel, you did shine. Oh, Daniel, uh, uh, come on now, show us love. Cut soap for us. I'm like, I'm using 100 Nera soap, people. <laughs> I do not know how much I can cut it into. You understand? But even in this time of intense grief, in this time of intense pain, I am waiting for God. Let's open our Bibles to Isaiah chapter 40. So many 40s. Isaiah chapter 40, verse 30 to 31. And this one, I have, I have held on to this one from the, from the beginning of this year. I will not lie. Held on to this one from the beginning of this year. Isaiah chapter 30, 40, verse 30, 31 says, Youth may faint and grow weary, and young men may stumble and fall. So it's not a matter of you are too young to be experiencing such sadness. You are too young to be, um, you know, you are too, you know, uh, adults in Nigeria have this thing that they say to people, you know, say to young people, you are so young, what are you thinking about? What problems do you have in life? And I look at some people, I'm like, you kidding me? Did you just say that? Are you, are you serious? Oh my God. You know, like it's, it's, such, it's such a baffling thing for me. I'm like, wow. So people still say this thing. The other day was it somebody said, oh, you're young, you know, you don't have much troubles yet. Wait until you're married and you have children. And in my mind, I was screaming. I was like, I have troubles now. I have sorrows that I'm going through now. You understand? So he says, even though um, young youths may faint, faint and grow weary, and young men may stumble and fall, verse 31 says, but those who trust in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and will not faint. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. God is not far. God remembers you even in your time of grief, even when you turn your face away from God. because. I've, I've, <laughs> I've done that. I remember a VN I sent to my best friend. It was a 23-long VN of me just being angry, me just being, me just crying, acting like a fool. And I remember distinctively there was a time there I said, currently, like, sometimes I feel angry at God. I don't even want to pray. You understand? And like Hannah, in my resentment, I will still come back you know, triumph 30, 6 a.m. in the morning, I'm tuning in. Triumph 30, 8 p.m. in the evening, I'm tuning in. Private time when the spirit nudges me, I start speaking in tongues because I know there is no better place to seek comfort than with God. So I wait on God. I trust in his healing. I believe that those who trust in the Lord will renew their strength. And even though it doesn't feel like it right now, I am not going to allow my feelings to dominate the word of God in my life. And it might be like, oh, Daniel, you're strong. You're strong. That's why, you, you know, you can do all these things. And I'm like, let me hold my weave. <laughs> and fame, <laughs> fame, faint pride. You understand? Like, it's not strength. There is no strength here. I thank God for my local assembly. I thank God for constantly holding me accountable, you know. 
people I have taught, people have discipled in the past, you understand? They are the ones currently who are telling me, you are strong, you are, they are the ones currently holding me, which is such a beautiful thing, you, you understand, when you um, create friendships that are founded on the word of God, create friendships, you know, where you guys have fellowship together, maybe you don't currently, but you have fellowship together, you are still in the faith, you know, you gain comfort there, and they remind you to wait on God. So the strength is not my own, literally. The strength is not my own. The spirit is just at work within me, pushing me further towards God. And even though there are moments, there are days where I don't pray. I will not lie. There are days where I don't pray at all. I don't pray at all. Like, I don't pray at all. And it almost feels good to not pray. Imagine that. It almost feels good to not pray. But you know what? <laughs> Man has to pray. Men should not faint. Pray, my brothers and sisters, so that you're not falling into temptation because... Just because you are going through grief does not mean that temptation will not come. The devil is not a respecter of any man. He does not respect anybody. There was the guy meet Pastor Irian and tried to tempt him. Imagine that. What kind of nonsense is that? You understand? So let's move on. Know that there is joy to be had. Know that there is joy to be had. Let's open our Bibles to Psalms 30, verse 5. And don't worry, we are going to, I'm going to be ending very soon. So we shall have questions and God help me. Hopefully I'm able to answer questions. You know, Psalm 30 verse 5 says, For his anger lasts only a moment, but his favor a lifetime. Weeping may spend the night, but there is joy in the morning. Hallelujah. There is joy in the morning. Now remember, David says of this, he waited patiently on the Lord. Now this one doesn't mean tomorrow morning everything will just clear up. But when you wait on the Lord, you know eventually healing is coming. There is joy to be had. And know that even in your grief, God gives peace. Hallelujah. Even in your grief, God gives peace. Jesus Christ saying in John 14 verse 27 said, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. I do not give to you as the world gives. gives. Your heart must not be troubled or fearful. There is joy. There is peace. Hallelujah. There is peace. Remember Apostle James said, we should not despise our time of trials. We should take joy in them and we should let peace work. We should let it, because they bring peace and we should let peace do its perfect work. Hallelujah. Know that God gives strength. Isaiah verse, we're only going to read one of those. Isaiah chapter 41, verse 10. Isaiah chapter 41, verse 10 says, do not fear for I am with you. Do not be afraid for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will hold on to you with my righteous hand. I remember a part in the Bible that says that, you know, God is strong enough to keep us. Hallelujah. Strong enough to keep us. You know, nothing shall separate me from the love of God. Neither death, nor sorrow, nor sin, nor grief. Nothing shall separate me from the love of God. Hold that. Speak that unto yourself. In your tears, in your time of tears, in your time of pain, intense pain, when you just feel like abandoning the world, when you just feel like, you know, just... They are just wondering, what is the point of me? Know this, that God gives strength, that you are inseparable from the love of God, and know that God will give you rest. Hallelujah. Know that God will give you rest. Jesus Christ saying in Matthew chapter 11, verse 28. Matthew chapter 11, verse 28 to 30, speaking to his disciples. He said, Come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Hallelujah. 
Come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. All of you, take up my yoke and learn from me, because I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for yourselves. Hallelujah. You will find there is rest to be found in Christ. There is rest to be found in God. So don't let anybody tell you, you know, it's fine if you are not praying. It's fine, you know, if you, if you spend time away from the church. In your time of grief, move closer towards God. Move closer towards God. Do not go far away from him, for he's never far away from you. He loves you, even in your time of pain. Even when you raise up your voice and, you know, you just lash out, God is still there with mercy in his heart and love in his heart. And he's there to help you, give you strength, build you up, and make sure that you heal. Hallelujah. Some extra things to note, but very, very important things. Occasionally weep deeply. Pastor Joe Piper said this in a moment of counsel. He said, occasionally weep deeply over the life you hoped you would be. Would be. Grieve the losses, then wash your face. Trust God and embrace the life you had. Imagine. He basically gave you holy skincare routine. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> Please don't at me. He gave you holy skincare routine. He said, when you, are, when you feel intense pain, my brother, my sister, weep. Don't do macho macho. Don't do hard guy. Weep deeply. Let, let there be snow. Cover your face. You understand? Like, look ugly. Let your makeup be ruined. And then after you're done weeping, calm down. Wash your face. Trust God and embrace the life you currently have. Hallelujah. In the end, trust in God is still the biggest factor in everything. In your time of grief, in your time of pain, the best way to handle it, trust God. You might not have all the answers to your questions. You might have questions you keep on, you know, getting too much pain. You keep on getting questions. People keep asking you questions. Sometimes people might question your faith. Weren't you praying? Were you not praying? Why did the person die? Why did you lose that job? Etc. 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 But all in all, trust God. Despair wallows in ifs and what ifs. Hopeless grief says, I have lost the only thing that makes life worth living. Hopeful grief magnifies the surpassing worth of God Himself and proclaims, For I am persuaded, hallelujah, that not even death or life, angels or rulers, things present or things to come, hostile powers, height or depth, or any other created thing we have the power to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. So it, in the end, no need, you might, you might be tempted to over-engage in, what if I had done this? Maybe I should have prayed a little bit more. Maybe I should have listened here. Maybe I shouldn't have drunk that kinekokinekon. Maybe I should have, you know, maybe, maybe, what if, what if, this, that, 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 you understand? In the end, trust God and know, know, despite whatever your circumstances currently are, nothing separates you from the love of God. Next is, do not bother with the illusion of strength. Don't bother, like I've already said this before, don't bother to form hard guy. Nobody needs your hard guy. You understand? Nobody needs your hard guy. And now this is, you know, kind of sectioned in a way. If you are, let's say, maybe uh, a leader of an assembly, a pastor, a father, you know, obviously you need to still show a front of strength for your followers, your children, your younger ones, those under you, understand? But you yourself, 
in your private time with God, amongst people of equal status, you know, fellow leaders, you don't need to show over, over portray um, the image of strength. I let people know you are grieving a loss so that they can comfort you, so that they can support you in your time of grief. And this is to this is mostly to people who are responding to those who are in grief. Number four says respond to grief with empathy, but ultimately faith and hope. When you see somebody in church, sometimes you know you do not know what to say. So you are just there. Your presence alone is is you know a big help they might they might not know it at the time but the, your presence alone is a big help and you want to be empathetic you know you want to be easy on them and everything but remember occasionally remind them of the promise they have in christ remind them of the love of god remind them of the goodness of god remind them to trust god pray with them you understand pray for them remember we do not mourn like those who have no hope we do not mourn like those who have no hope. And so the last thing is you can comfort the grieving because God comforts you. I don't know if there's somebody who needs to hear this tonight, but you can comfort the grieving because God comforts you. Second Corinthians 1, 3 to 4 says, All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is our merciful Father and the source of all comfort. He, com he comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort others. When they are troubled, we will be able to give them the same comfort God has given us. I'd like to read that again. All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is our merciful Father and the source of all comfort. He comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort others when they are troubled we will be able to give them the same comfort God has given us. Hallelujah. So don't, 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 don't be like, you know, you, you, you know what, what are you going to do? You understand? Like, what can you say? What, can, what are you going to do? Know that you are given the strength to comfort those who are grieving. Know that you are sponsored by the Spirit to be able to comfort those who are grieving, those fellow believers. You might not know what you are going through. You might not have ever experienced that kind of pain before. Most likely you haven't experienced that kind of pain before, but trust the Lord. You who are grieving, trust God. You who are comforting the grieving, trust God. Trust the spirit in you to work things out in you, to work out your joy, your peace. You understand, to work out the healing that your heart needs and your heart needs. Pray with them, pray for them. Hallelujah, hallelujah, praise the Lord. And so that brings me to the end of um, my notes. Thank you so very much for listening so far. Uh, question time. But like I said, questions are allowed, but don't mind if I don't have an answer to your question because this is such a deep, um, interesting <laughs> topic. You understand? And the, 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 the subject of grief, there are so many reasons why we grieve. And I am not omniscient. I don't know everything. But hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Oof, glory to God. So any questions tonight? Anybody got questions? See me here, looking for everybody. Hello, everybody. Ah, this place is so silent. Nobody got questions. Everybody is handled in the Lord. Omar, did I do such a great teaching? Ha, Jesus. Hey, hallelujah. Oh, my God. The Lord is good. <laughs> 
that is good oh thank you guys um i'm glad tonight blessed you guys um well please do answer ask questions maybe you have somebody who you know is going through a hard time and you're just wondering how you can be there for them um you know maybe you are currently going through a hard time okay and i just want to add this if you are currently going through a hard time you're a member of bmg you're currently going through a hard time you do not know how to handle things please um reach out to somebody um not necessarily a member of bhg not necessarily a member of the escos but please please i beg you i plead with you reach out to somebody reach out to a member in your church reach out to somebody in your local church you know somebody near actually from your local church somebody who you know will take time to listen to you understand bear out your heart and just pray with you understand um reach out to the escos you understand reach out to your accountability partners reach out to um your accountability um, group leader you understand let them pray with you understand give you comfort by the spirit during this painful time because trust me don't try to do things alone it's <laughs> It's difficult, it's difficult, and I know exactly how difficult it is. Don't try to do things alone. Okay, um, Innocent is asking, is dealing with grief synonymous to dealing with depression? Hmm. Okay, um, okay, so here's the thing. Um, I didn't I didn't add this in my slides um, because I, I just thought it was maybe too circular or something. There's there are there are should I say frameworks of grieving? Yeah, frameworks of grieving that psychologists um, subscribe to. Let me use that word, subscribe to. The common, most common one is the five stages of grieving. And part of it is depression. Depression, yes, you can get depressed when you are grieving. And most times, depression is kind of like a response, a kind of like response to grief. If it's real depression, it's kind of like a response to grief. So most likely that person is grieving for a loss of something or a lack of something, do you understand? But here's the thing. If somebody is depressed, know this. You are feeling depressed does not mean that your life is in ruins. Remember, your emotions are not a correct way to judge the reality of things. Neither are they a correct way to judge your relationship with God. I know, I know this is contrary to what many of us might have heard, but depression is a feeling. You are feeling depressed. And in your depression, you go to work, right? In your depression, you still eat. You, you bathe, you understand. You take business calls. It's that same way, that same way in your depression, you move towards God, trust God. It can be synonymous. It can be the same thing, you understand? I'm not saying all, okay, I'm not saying necessarily all depression is as a result of grief, but most times when people are depressed, it's a response to kind of like a grief, like a loss of something or a lack of something. So yes, it can be synonymous. And I'm simply saying, if you are feeling depressed or you are in that moment of depression, move towards God, pray, and know that, because just because you are feeling depressed doesn't mean that you necessarily have to lead your life like everything is a depression. This is not Nigeria economy. Do you understand? Your life is not Nigeria economy. You are a citizen of Zion. You are a child of God. God is near you. God is there to comfort your heart always. You understand? The, though the pain may last for a while, the, leaping, the weeping may last for a while, but trust me, trust God. Trust the word of God. Trust that he never fails. Hallelujah. 
Any other question tonight? Any other question tonight? We have time, we have five more minutes, you know, for Adana, God bless you. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, guys. I'm so I'm so glad that tonight yeah, bless you guys. You yeah. Any other question? Come on through your questions that I me. Mean, you can frame them as a friend, you know, the framing of a friend. Okay, you know, even friend. though you are the ones that are going through things, we say a friend. <laughs> exactly, asking for a friend, you know. I've done that a lot. I've done that a lot. I've done that with Pastor Yeren. I've done that with Ernest. I've done that a lot. <laughs> you know. Okay. Um, if there are no questions, no questions left for tonight. Maybe we'll we ask can... them on the group. Okay, yes, you can ask them on the group. You can ask them on the group. Um, I'll take my time out to answer each and every single one of them, you know. Um, I'll do my best to answer. And anyone I can answer, please, I'll refer you to material. Because <laughs> the Lord knows that we are all growing together. We are all learning. And I'm so, so very, very thankful to Ernest for giving me this opportunity to um, teach tonight. And I didn't say that earlier, but I'm so very, very honored. Um, <laughs> I was so nervous when Ernest said, Daniel, you are taking this topic. And I was about to say, eh, no, sorry, I'm not going to be around. But then, you know, I was like, you know what, let's just, let's do this. I also need whatever it is I'm going to be giving to you guys. So I am so blessed. I'm, I was so blessed tonight. Thank you so very much, guys, for joining. Let's please bow down our heads, close our eyes, and let's end tonight's session with a prayer. Father, thank you. Thank you for your word that has come unto us tonight. Thank you, Father, Lord, for the healing that has begun in many of our hearts tonight. Thank you, Father, for your spirit at work within us because we know, we know that the strength we are using to push on currently through our times of pain, through our times where we are in need of comfort, where we are so confused, we do not know what, where our life is headed to, what to do with our lives. The strength we are using to push on, the peace that we have, we, do, we know we are not the originators of it. This is your spirit at work within us. Thank you, Father, for we know you are constantly near us. Your love is inseparable from, from us. Thank you, Father, for we know that even though this seems like it is going on forever, we know it is temporary. We know you are at work within us. You are molding us, making us stronger, making us much more perfect for you, O Lord, Father, making us much more devoted, O Lord. And Father, we thank you for the fellowship of believers. We thank you for BMG. We thank you for our fellow local churches, O Lord, Father, that you have created as a system of comfort, as a system to uphold us as pillars in Christ. Thank you, Father, for our brothers and sisters who constantly call us, who constantly ask us, where are you? How are you doing? Because we know it is your love that we are experiencing through them. Thank you, Father, for we know that we are going to be healed. We know we shall have peace. We know we shall have rest, Father. And Lord, I speak unto every single person online tonight, Lord, Father, those who could not join, those who shall be listening to this on the podcast. I speak unto every single person, Lord, that whatever pain is in our heart, whatever scar has been lingering, healing comes in the mighty name of Jesus. I pray that healing comes in the mighty name of Jesus. Father, I pray for those who are experiencing rest restlessness, those who are constantly having headaches, those who are constantly confused without clarity. Father, I pray that there is peace 
I pray that there is rest. I pray that there is clarity, Father, in the mighty name of Jesus. Father, I pray that there is strength to go on tomorrow. There is strength to stand up from our bed daily, strength to pray daily, strength to live our life like one who is holy and called unto you in the mighty name of Jesus. And Lord God, we pray for those of us who have friends who are grieving, friends who are experiencing a rough patch in life currently, and we do not know how to be there for them. Father, we pray that as you comfort us, O Lord, Father, we also comfort them in the mighty name of Jesus. The gift of comfort, O Lord, Father, flows through us and into them, O Lord. We shall be reminders of your love unto them, O Lord, Father. Thank you, Lord Almighty, for in Jesus' name we have prayed. Amen. Amen, Amen everybody. Thank you so very much for joining in tonight. I really, really appreciate every single one of you. Thank you so much. God bless you. God bless you. I hope tonight was a blessing for every single person. I hope we'll be able to take the things from tonight and apply them and, you know, use them to help other people. And um, I'm going to be sharing, okay, I'm going to be sharing this slide on the group in case you want it, in case you need it, you understand. Um, it's going to be in PDF, so you can easily just share it to anybody. Thank you for listening to this recording. We hope this session was a blessing to you as it was for us. If you'd like to be an active part of Bible Marathon, maybe join in live on our Sunday sessions, be part of the WhatsApp group, or would just like to know more about the Bible Marathon project, visit our website, bit.ly slash bmglive4 for more details. That's bit.ly slash bmglive4 for more details. We pray you stay blessed, experiencing progress and joy, 